Welcome to the Making It Without Faking It podcast, where Chris Lasherity and James Angus attempt to point out the importance of being relational and authentic through true life stories and experiences. Good afternoon, Chris. Good afternoon, James. How are you? Good, you? Great. Another episode of Making It Without Faking It. Yeah. Long overdue. Yeah. Well, not that bad, actually. Compared to before. Should do it daily. (laughs) We could, actually, uh, if you you weren't so busy. Back and at you. Exactly. But it is nice to uh, debrief a bit, I guess. Busy. Blessed. Blessed. Yes. Replace busy with blessed. So blessed. It's true. Yeah, we are blessed, actually. Yeah, That's a good sure way we are. That'll help with your mental toughness, which is something I oh, thought we'd expand on today's today. topic, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, just sort of go with mental toughness, just because I think in our situation here and uh, having a few listings that have been on the market for a little bit and trying to you know gain listings or gain buyers and trying to uh, you know make sure that reassure them uh, to ensure that they have the right strategy going forward and then we'll talk a bit about strategy and stuff like that that work yeah you want to dive right into mental toughness yeah absolutely what makes you mentally tough chris well i think uh, or what makes you work what do you work on to become more mentally tough I always found this time of year is uh, the most important time to have mental toughness. And I'm not, I can't say I'm an expert at it, but we seem to, it gets dark early. It's cold. It feels like we're the, I don't know, it just feels like there's going to be such a long period without business. If you think about it, it's probably two weeks. Yeah. It's really no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I fall into it. I'm like, oh, how am I going to? You know, I've mentioned this before about being a worrier at night and warrior during the, during the day. I wake up and think, why did I waste so many hours just stressing about, you know, covering everything during the dark times or the slow times? And I always say, uh, geez, I forgot that I earn money and, and, and good money. So, so sometimes we do that. I do that. I don't know if everyone does it, but that's where I could improve on, uh, which I have actually. So I, I found myself falling into that and being stressed out and, um, you know, these, if we're as a group not selling as much, the bills are the same. Um, you know, covering them personally often. You watch some accounts dwindle. It's stressful. Of course, it's tough. But then I, then I started focusing on all the good, and that's the key. I, that may sound like too easy or or uh, cliche or whatever you want to say, but um, there is way more good. So yeah, I find if I focus on the bad, I'm just grumpy, and there's no point. And there's so much good and there's so much positivity. And I think our meetings lately have been awesome. They have. Yeah. Uh, I love, obviously, uh, Tony and Adam. And, and Adam's been a big part of that uh, sort of shift in my thinking. Um, Tony's always been really positive. But uh, Adam's perspective has been interesting. And uh, we had a meeting uh, yesterday? Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. yeah. Were you there or no? No. Um uh, anyway, Kyle came up to me and said, this, this positive thinking kick that we're on with these meetings really working for me. And he talked about a domino effect of deals he had going. So I was really impressed to hear that. So it's not it's not going to resonate with everyone. I wish it would. But uh, yeah, just being positive about the good is important. As simple as that sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think little victories do help your mental toughness. Uh yeah, I think that's the positive mindset that we've been sh- kind of promoting or you've been promoting with these meetings uh, has been helpful, even for like for me, um, obviously for uh, for Kyle, which is great. And I'm sure other people are taking from it. Um, you know, I was speaking with one of our co- colleagues yesterday and she was all gung ho and ready to rock and roll and quit a corporate job. So she's all in. So it's a, she's a, and she seems like I think she'll be a hustler, too. Yeah, um, I know who you're talking about, and I agree. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, I think that positive self-talk uh, does boost your mental toughness. I think that, you, I mean, I'm really hard on myself, and so are you, but I've been better because I think that, you know, you, you don't get very far. Like, I think I called myself an idiot because I overcooked a steak yesterday, you know what I mean? But it wasn't that bad. It was still a pretty good steak, but uh, but I was, you know, you, 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 you're competitive, you have expectations of yourself, so it's easy to be hard on yourself because maybe you had that growing up, you know, maybe you had somebody older than you that 
was bringing like beating you down a little bit just to to give you a little toughness um and i think it's helpful i just think that you do need to be nice to yourself 100 percent. i'm terrible to myself <laughs> but i think it's a blessing and a curse in a way so um to take responsibility is uh imperative i think uh, and what i mean by that is an example i took on a client that warned me he was going to be hard and he hated no he didn't hate realtors he hated uh, the profession here in Ontario. He said, oh, it's just terrible. I have a friend out east. I mentioned this guy before. Mm-hmm. So I took it on, uh, and, I, and I, I mentioned this too, that I took it on because I wanted to sharpen our skills or my skills, my little group. Your knife? Yeah, because we came out of an easier time. So I wanted a challenging client to really call me on everything and, and uh, see if we could really knock it out of the park as far as service because that's ultimately what we offer. So a couple nights ago, um, someone from our previous office where we started out had booked an appointment and uh, this gentleman stays at the house and lets them in against my better judgment. But Yeesh. Yeah. Sorry. But he leaves. Sometimes he chats them up. Sometimes they ask him, him to show the house and that could go either way. But anyway, this person, this agent... Um, uh, canceled right at the time of the showing. They've cleaned up. His wife's parked around the corner. He's waiting on the stairs to let them in. There's no lockbox. And uh, he called me and he ranted. And, and he was, rightfully so, he was pissed. And I called the agent. And uh, I told him I'd call uh, his manager. Because it is giving us all a bad name and it is unprofessional. But I said to him... Uh, I was going to send him uh, like a Giovanni's gift certificate. And he said, you don't have to do that. It's not your fault. I said, ultimately, it is my fault because I should have called him. And I normally do, and he knows that. I got busy, and I, I, I actually thought because of the office he was coming from that he would have some credibility and some professionalism, and he didn't. He laughed it off and said, oh, they actually uh, gave me the wrong MLS number. And I thought that's that's a worse answer than I was expecting. <laughs> you know, maybe Lie you should, and say yeah. they have COVID or something. Yeah, something. Know? But um, it, it does give us all a bad name. It now, you know, I'm I'm lucky that the seller thinks highly of me. But I said no. It is it is my mistake. And I think all of that stuff is if we have that attitude that it is always our fault, it does de-escalate the situation. And um, I think being the opposite way. Well, it's not my fault. It was the other agent. It's just the worst way to be. So mm-hmm. sometimes being hard on ourselves is the reason for our, you know, the perfectionism never uh, is realistic. But if you strive for it, then you're always going to offer a better service than if you're just like, well, not my, it has nothing to do with me. I think in every situation too, like friendships and relationships and parenting and, you you, you know, you're going to show them that you've got to take some responsibility for your actions. And, you know, like you said, even if it really wasn't entirely your fault, which it wasn't, um, you still take that brunt and then people respect you more. I think you're right. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, like that guy, I mean, uh, um, there are good professionals in our industry and and to laugh off a situation like that, people preparing a nice home. You know, and that's in any home, really. Mm-hmm. Everybody tidies up. Everybody makes their bed. They, Our sellers work really hard to sell their house, and that's that's really helpful for us because they make the house look as nice as possible. And, and, you know, when there's a showing booked, it's exciting for them, especially in this market where we're not getting 15 showings a day at yeah, times, you know. So I think that that's uh, important that you you did take the brunt of it, and I think that I respect you for that because that's uh, – that's like it's easy to just say, "Oh, this, this agent's an idiot," and you know, da 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 da. But well, I feel like telling his manager that I could guarantee him that no one from this office will ever do that. So if his agents see that it's Engel and Volker's Ottawa South or Central for that matter, um, they're not going to cancel at the time of the. I mean, shit happens. Yeah, but not maybe, that kind of shit. But maybe call, like have a like call you and say, yeah. "Listen, Chris, like something came up. I made a mistake. Uh, I have to cancel the showing." And then you'd probably respect them more because they did take the responsibility, you know? Well, showing time has its uh, advantages and disadvantages, and he hates showing time because he's a salesperson as well, and he's like, why don't they pick exactly? Why didn't he pick up the phone and call you and yeah. say he screwed up? 
instead That's of just sending it in an app. Own it. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. That's part of mental toughness too, taking the shit when you need to, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think that, uh, well, I mean, you know, going to daily, like your daily habits, say like you're, you know, I always like to hear your daily habits cause you're, you're high functioning and, um, what like in the morning, like when you hit the feet on the ground gets you motivated and, uh, you know, maybe your discipline kicks in, but what gets you into the right mindset and mental for be, to be mentally tough right now? Well, to be honest, what gets me out of bed is coffee. The thought of <laughs> is a good one. Uh, That's a funny thing. Just to go on that, because on my great gratitude journal, sometimes I'll write, you know, you do get the five-minute, gratitude, one-minute gratitude journal, whatever. I, I think everybody should get one. Just take a minute and write five things you're grateful for. Coffee's always on that list. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> like your first coffee. Uh, but now it's my kid. You know, I have him on my phone, and he sleeps in a bit. But... uh just the excitement that that's the exciting part is just uh seeing him he's just so funny now he hard to it's hard to leave this morning he found a boxing glove in my closet and he loves boxing and hockey like what a dream uh, yeah and exactly like pop pop pow pow like he wants to <laughs> fight <laughs> he's just hilarious so it's really hard to say uh yeah I'll, I'll i'll do it later with you yeah I mean, he's easily distracted by something else. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, still. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 just a you know he's just a whippersnapper. <laughs> but that's cute. That's like uh, I love that too. Like my girls obviously now sleep later than we do, which is amazing. And mm. you kind of anticipate the you know, when they wake up, and then they're all happy, happy, and it's really fun. I love that. It's a, it has certainly uh, changed my life and given me more purpose. And I don't worry about as much little shit as opposed to the bigger shit. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, they're probably more, being girls, affectionate. My kid's a bit of a bruiser and all over the place. But in the morning, I find him when he's a bit of a dozer. He's like this morning, he was very affectionate and just kind of hanging out and hugging me. And uh, he's not really like that at night. So I cherish those mornings where he's uh, a little, you know, more subdued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so those are daily habits. What about um, mindfulness practice? Like do you do, what do you do for your mindset, mindfulness? I try to catch myself in the moment. Uh, uh, you know, I listen to these things all the time, like what we're doing, a quote I heard the other day, and ever since I, I might even said it on the last podcast, so it's, I've been rocking this quote for a while in my mind, where I think I've gotten pissed off once since, but it was, uh, oh God, what was it? Um, the secret of life is the, enjoyment of the passage of time so really if you're enjoying the passage of time that's all that really matters yeah as simple again as that is it's so uh, almost profound because what else are we doing stressing about the future regretting the past that's not really why we're here no you can't think about like we we all have our pasts that we sort of go back to and remember oh what an idiot or whatever but it's gone, man. Like, yeah, like you said, enjoying the passage of time. I think that's a nice quote. I like the, uh, I have a new one that came in the other day. Uh, um, if you give, you live. If you take, you ache. Wow. So you get more enjoyment about giving than For you sure. and up than taking, of course. Um, I think that it's important, uh, especially these days. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we'll start, I'll start that food drive thing that I do every year and, and, uh, and try and, you know, get get a few boxes over to the food bank because I know that there's a ton of things. Like you said, though, like the be be grateful, gratitude. Like God, I mean, it's so cliche, and every podcast about mindfulness says gratitude. You have to have gratitude, but it's so true. It's very true. Yeah, but at the same time, don't bullshit yourself. Like, oh, I'm so grateful that I've accomplished nothing, and I, you know, oh yeah, don't, don't bullshit yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like we're dead if we're not growing, if you're not growing, you're dying. So it's, there's nothing wrong with, um, striving to achieve more. It's just don't wish your life away. You know, I I think about the, um, sort of the phase of my life before the phase I'm in now, um, had a good solid decade of living alone. And I I look back at it and think, oh, it's such a pleasant time. (laughs) And not that I would trade it for a moment for what I have now. But if I spent that whole decade striving to have the life I have now, it's funny that you look back at it in fondness. And I think everyone does that. 
And I tell people that that have an intimidation factor about wealthy people. And I always say, you know, chances are the wealthy person is considerably older than you. And once you've achieved your goals or most of them or, or you've accumulated some wealth, you often reminisce on the times you were younger and you can't buy that time. So they're looking at you like, hey, this kid has promise and a future and youth. And boy, would I if I knew what I knew now mm-hmm. and could be in their position. So they're envying you probably more than you're uh, envying them. But we don't think about that. No, we don't. Except when you, you're our age now and look at these 20-year-old whippersnappers that have the opportunity. And if you only went back to when you were 20... First of all, I would have gotten into real estate right away, and then <laughs> and then I would have. But I, I, again, I don't trade those twenties, even though I was a kind of a gong show at the time. It was, uh, it was great times, great times. I had great times with my brother, and I had great times with uh, my family and friends. And yeah, you're right, though. I think that uh, people that were older than me would would, would yeah, they, they probably were the envious ones, you know. But if you didn't have those uh, times of. Uh debauchery and everything you know if you were um uh organized and um driven and all those things and 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 wise beyond your years out of the gate you know maybe you'd have a massive midlife right now so i don't think you should regret any of those things i don't yeah you sold your porsche so it tells you everything you need well, to I, I called it I, I made a call on one on the way here <laughs> <laughs> i said that to a friend yesterday who's uh he has a few years on me, and he's um, gonna have a kid, or he's trying. And he asked me, he said, "You know, all bullshit aside, cliches aside, what's it like?" And I said, "Well, you know, you'll." And he's a car guy too. I said, "You you might be less selfish and sell a car or two, and won't be as important." But I said, "It'll wear off, and then you'll buy another one, <laughs> <laughs> so you won't lose yourself entirely." But I said, "Yeah, obviously your life changes, and now you worry about something that you never worried about." in a great capacity and that's your center of your universe so it's great how can you say it's a bad thing that's right it's good to have goals too if you want to buy a new car you gotta kind of make more money yeah especially now with uh with junior running around um what was the next one i think the uh so oh the impact of physical fitness on mental toughness mm. um i got right back into uh, the, I'm in on doing the carnivore diet again because I just feel like uh, much better when I'm on it for some reason. I, you know, like eating those baked goods are amazing, and th- that's all coming to me probably around Christmas. I said I want to be carnivore till Christmas, mm. so simply meat and eggs and you know bone broth and all that shit. Wow. But it's still it's that's mental toughness because the first few days you crave sugars and carbs, right? It's a it's an interesting uh, thing. So I think testing yourself. Like you said, if you're not growing, you're dying. So yeah. That, yeah, physical fitness, uh, on top of that, I've been kickboxing too, and I've been working out again. So what do you, do you find that that brings you a lot of mental toughness when you do go push yourself to a limit and get through it? Is that is that good for your, like, do you check your box or something like that? Yeah, incredibly. I think um, um, yeah, I personally never didn't do that because, uh, out of fear that I would fall out of the habit. But even like this morning was a day off and I was like, if I don't work out, I'm not going to be in as good of a mood. And I just feel like physically, if I'm not growing, I'm dying. So if I'm not recovering from a workout, I feel like my body's like degenerating. (laughs) Well, well, we're all dying slowly. We're all going to the same place. So you want to keep it as long as you can. Yeah. And like Arnold says, uh, you know, there's nothing like a pump. You get pumped up. And also your men I have a friend who sort of falls off and gets back into it and but rarely gets back into it. And it gets back into it for a week or two, but that he'll he'll go to the gym after a year off and work out and have maybe three workouts and he'll be like he'll say, oh, I, I can't believe the difference I can see <laughs> And I kinda laugh internally because it, it you know, but he has a point. It's mental. Like if you skip a workout you kinda feel, Oh god, I'm shrinking and whatever. But if you hit that guilt. workout, you guilt feel too. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry Amy jokes when I because I go out every Wednesday night, and uh, most of the guys work out. And she's like, oh, you got to get a pump in before you go out, eh? I was like, well, yeah. It's 
I feel good. I know Tony's going to hit one before he goes, so you know he's going to be high on life and endorphins running through his his body, and I'm going to be the same. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like, ah, oh, shit, I should have hit that workout. I didn't have time. We always have time. Such bullshit that people think they don't have time. Did you see that post I put up yesterday? Uh, it was a good one, actually, because the best advice I ever got was from my grandfather. said, don't take any shit you won't like to taste. Yeah, I did see that. And then the the other thing that you think is the worst advice is you could I always say you can always be happy with you got with what you got you know like like you were just going on that like you can always have more it doesn't have to be uh you know material it doesn't have to be stumbling like that but you can you'll always regret not working out and you can always find time at the end it's like you take a couple hours off of your phone you'll be able to find a lot of time to do something else you'll probably learn a language in the amount of time we spend a on our phones, it wasn't. It was not it was totally on topic, but it wasn't off topic. If you know what I mean. So you're saying uh, the worst advice you got was to be happy with what you have. Yeah, yeah. Because you can always have more, and I don't mean material, and not only material. Well, I think you should be, you should be thankful for the positive things you have or that you've accomplished through your family and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I do think there's a real danger in being content. That's I think that's what I'm going on. I don't think I'm not, you know, I have gratitude for all of that I have uh, that I've earned and you've earned and we've earned. Um, but I don't think that you can, I think you can keep, like, keep striving. You know, there's more to it. There's it, And again, not material. It's more, you know, you could ha- be happier. You could have a better, you could feel more physically fit. You could train for something that puts you in a better position or physically or health-wise. Which to me, I think, is the greatest asset is your health, right? But because, you, you know, like the, what is the other quote? There's like, as a man with health has a thousand dreams and a man without has none. Or one, sorry. Yeah, to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, Adam posted something this morning about, you know, be careful who you're around and, and focus on your goals. And people will try and always see. He always says there's a, um, it's one of the laws of, a, of uh, attraction. Is that what he says? Anyway, well, the 12 laws, I think there's... Yeah, so yeah. If, if you're positive, someone's going to be negative, and it's so true. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes maybe our partners or people around us will be like, oh, could you tone it down a bit? Or maybe they take it as selfishness, but um, I don't think so. And then I remind them, like, say, it's your partner. I'll be like, well, were you attracted to me in the beginning because of my drive? And if I lost that, wouldn't I become unattractive? So I'm trying to convince her that I'm... Very attractive <laughs> drive, but uh, stunning. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's um, it's uh, you got to strive for something. I agree, I agree. And if you're, you can be happy, you know, sitting. If you're happy in a small place, and that's that's fine. But like, you're still trying to grow every day. You have still got things to do. But yeah, it's. It wasn't to again. It wasn't material. It was simply you can grow, grow as a person. There's in a many difference ways. to yeah. being uh, justifying what you have, or and and also or being grateful. Justifying what you have sometimes is just. Uh, I see that a lot in people. And again, if they're happy, great. I just don't believe it. Yeah, and it usually comes out in what they're saying. They're bullshit excuses as to where they are or whatever. Everybody <laughs> wants to the best. Uh, as you were talking. We mentioned before, you know, I always mention Ed Milet, but the way he uh, put it was he doesn't want to die and meet his best self and not... Be the exact uh, same. Yeah. Mirrored, mirrored. He doesn't want, like, he's very religious. He doesn't want God to have this version of him that he meant for him to be, and he doesn't measure up to it. And I think that's very powerful. You know, we're only here one time. You can say, oh, well, you got to stop and smell the roses. Well, yeah, you do. Uh, But, like, what did you do? And he also said, how do we tell our kids, you can do anything, you could be the prime minister if that's what you wanted, or, or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, uh, if if we didn't do it, because they'll say, well, why didn't you do it, Dad? If it's so, if you can do anything and there's a world of abundance out there, then what the hell did you do with your life? And that's that's a pretty powerful point, too. Mm-hmm. It's true, you, yeah, very true. You gotta, you gotta practice, you gotta do what you're saying, yeah. that's for sure. Practice what you preach. Um, fuck, I had a point with with what you were saying there too. Oh, Goggins does the same thing too. He said, you know, David Goggins, who's like this crazy, 
You know that he did eight ultra marathons in a row, like eight weekends in a row? I find him a little... He's intense. I think he's depressed. <laughs> I don't find him a happy guy. Uh, I don't know I, much. I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I only I, see I, him on Instagram here. Yeah, I don't know. Well, he has family and stuff that he doesn't... You don't see anything, but, I, you know, I think that... I think you're right. You know, like, like, I'm all for the intense, like, be the best you can, but, uh, but there... And, and, and being uncomfortable and all those things, but... It, I like being comfortable. I like spending a Sunday watching Formula One and taking my time and relaxing. Like, you kind of need that. You can't be, you can't, you need a bit of a break. I don't take many breaks, but when I do, I don't feel guilty. No, you're you're right. Um, what Goggins says, what I was getting is Goggins says the same thing about being on his, you know, his deathbed and seeing, he talks about God also and, and seeing like the best version of himself and is it this, you know, physically. Um, I mean, he's a, like his accolades and his, what he's done with his time physically is insane. Like, yeah, like, but I agree. I agree. He's, well, he he's like not that. as pleasant as he'd yeah. think. Yeah. He but apparently he's a nice humor maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think he, if you listen to him on Rogan and stuff, he does have a sense of humor, but, but he's cr- like, I think he likes, he gets joy out of the pain. Which is weird, yeah. But I, again, I, I I love reading about him and his story and stuff like that. But Ed Milet's Ed Milet's more my speed because he's like, he's all about positivity. I love the story where he talks about like that woman who was in the gym and she was in a she was in a wheelchair and he couldn't take his eyes off her and he was like being inspired by a woman who. It's not the people that do things great; it's the people that try their best to do something different. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's what he said, something along those lines. But either way. He got such inspiration from a, a young a young woman who was in a wheelchair and still at the gym, you know. And we've got all those friends that are, uh, uh like sort of like they, they don't, you know, they they don't, um, they, you know that people take energy from you, like like you kind of like come in with this upbeat personality, and then sort of everybody's like you have to spend so much energy trying to bring someone up. Yeah. Eventually, sure. eventually your patience and your energy for that goes away right and you lose that person in your life i think i think that's that's like if you keep them around for too long maybe you you push them away a little bit because they they take so much of your your joy and i just can't my like i find joy is so important these days and i can't i can't have that around me anymore do you find you've lost some people along the way that sort of yeah um, uh, probably subconsciously i kind of just drift yeah, away yeah. from them but I mean, we could all have our energy off. I have a friend that's really in tune with that, and I remember I showed up at a wedding and I was late and stressed, and she was like, "Your energy sucks." <laughs> like, You're right. You're right. Yeah, totally. I got to shift that. Like, it, we're all capable of it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, but you at least that's a good friend that told you that. And yeah. It's sort of like you, you kind of came out of it, you know. And yeah. but some people just stay in it and never, they never come out of it. Well, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating people that um, spend their whole life blaming others or, you know, their their childhood didn't quite go so well. And I, I think about this before I say it. Um, you know, I'm sure there's many people that have had some terrible things, but um, there's a lot of people who just had things that a lot er, many other people had and got over. So wasting your life in, uh, you know, blame and, toward your parents or whatever it may be you see that a lot i don't get it especially if i was thinking of this the other day too once you have a kid and realize how much energy is involved in just keeping them safe obviously everyone's parent to a point i'm sure there's exceptions to the rule did that so how could you not appreciate your parents for doing that you know they kept you safe you would have jumped off of whatever like they whether you loved everything they did at a different time, and it was a different time, um, they still kept you alive. So it's kind of the biggest favor anyone ever did for you. So why do you have such a chip on your shoulder? And then when they're gone, you're gonna now you're gonna have this other um, problem of guilt and so on. So it's a waste of life. Yeah, well put, bud. Really, <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> yeah, like you're right. Keeping them alive is number. That's the number one rule as a parent. Yeah. Keep your kids alive. Exactly. Pretty crazy that that's uh, and that's true because you don't like don't eat that don't don't eat paint. What do you have paint in your mouth for? Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, that happened to me yesterday. By the way, <laughs> um, 
What about uh, my, your mindset mindset shift for success, like transforming challenges into opportunities? Like you're very good at this. So tell someone how they can do that. Uh, like turning a, a, a problem into something positive. Yeah. And an opportunity. Well, I think in our business, I mean, how often does your phone ring and it's positive? <laughs> it's always a, a problem you got to solve. Yeah. Um, I was sharing this the other day with a client that my dad always told me as a kid, there's two people in life, the person who asks questions and the person who answers them. And it hits me many times as I'm answering so many questions in the day. And I like it. I li I'd rather be that person for sure. And I, I got it the first time he told me as a young kid as well. But um, usually the things that come in are a problem. I've got this problem and we have to solve it. And there's always another way to do it. Um, a simple, most recent example off the top of my head, maybe not the best. I just did a deal with a guy. And I always think the agent on the other side is so imperative whether they're a pro or not. Um, the deal would have died, and I got to hand it to him. He was uh, uh, equally, if not more, um, um, creative on how to put the deal together. So we we brought an offer back and forth. It was about you know one and a half million dollars, and we were about fifty k apart, and we were like no one was budging, and everyone was taking it personally. And um, he was like, "Hey, would your would your seller lend my guy fifty grand?" I was like, "Fifty grand VTV seems a little like not worth it, but let me try." And it didn't work, <laughs> but the deal came together because it was just it, it was going to die otherwise. So it was like, "No, we don't want your fifty k after all, but uh, we'll go up another ten k." And then it was like, "Okay, we'll go up another fifteen k if you include the gym equipment." So. There's always a, a way to solve a problem. And it's always, there's always going to, if we always said, oh, geez, that's a problem. What are we going to do? Stalemate. Deal's dead. We suck. Like that's, that's our job. We have to find a solution and everything. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's what you meant. No, that's a great example. But it's also that, that it's like you, you built trust there with the 50 grand like I think that that was the the reason your, your seller or buyer decided to consider it. Obviously, your seller, sorry. But like, it's I don't know. It was such an interesting way of so, so like of a solution just to get them to come. Yeah, but if, if you lend us fifty grand, we'll buy it. You well, know? my seller, um, uh, I really like them for the short time we've known each other, and people don't really know. Am I supposed to do this or am I not? But he, they must have asked me fifteen times to lower my commission. And some of it was here, some of it when I, when I was at home. And when I was here, Laura could hear it. And she was like, I, you know, you just keep saying the same thing to them. I'm like, I know. So I told them, I already gave you a deal at the beginning. And, uh, you know, I don't want to lose a deal because of me. But at the same time, we're Angle and Volkers. And, we, and I'm paying out 2%, which is I'm more comfortable paying out 25 But you wanted a deal on the market is the way the market is. And we can get away with it. But... My only request for everyone that works here, as you know, is don't pay out less than that because we're not a discount broker. So I can't say, hey, bring me an offer, be clever and creative and work the deal to death. And then at the end, I'm going to ask you to, to uh, discount your commission even further. I said, I'm not going to do it. And furthermore, I made a decision a long time ago that I'm not going to work for less than that because if I'm going to give up time with my kid and everything, and, and then they called me at night and asked me again, my kid's in my hand making a bunch of noise. I'm like, do you hear him? Like, I want to talk, I want to hang out with him, give him my undivided attention, but I'm talking to you. So my time is worth 2%. Like, it's not a lot. So anyway, deal went together, and then they thanked me and said, you know, you're you're a true pro, and the deal wouldn't have happened without you. Well, of course, <laughs> of course we made the, and that was the, uh, I mentioned it to the other agent. I said, I'm going to ask you because I said I would, but I'm not going to ask you because I don't expect you to do it. And now I'm never going to ask you that. And he said, yeah, this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for us. And he's right. Yep. So I don't know how I got onto that tangent, but like stick to it. And yes, we're going into Christmas and I want to sell another five to seven houses in the next however much time we have. And even Amy heard me on the phone and she said, oh, you really, you're not going to bend at all for a deal for one, one and a half million dollar deal in December almost. I said, no, 
What? <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, they called the next morning. But it's not that I'm not bluffing and saying uh, it's not a game. That's our value. And I think they realize it. They just need to realize it. You need to make them realize it. Yeah. You have to show them their value. Yeah. I, I suggested a bunch of things to do to the house. You didn't do it. I'm not paying for it. Yeah. I gave you that advice. You didn't take it. I'm not going to say, oh, well, okay, because you didn't pressure wash this and fix that. Okay, here, I'll just pay, even though I already told you that was going to bite us in the ass. Yeah. If only they just listened. <laughs> All the time. If All only. the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Negative. Navigating setbacks. Okay, so strategies for bouncing back stronger mm. so going through something and coming back stronger mm-hmm. yeah because there's a lot of that like i mean i you know we've all gone through the you've already counted the commission and then all of a sudden it doesn't work <laughs> work out but it's uh it's 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 important to bounce back with a positive mindset out of something shitty or you know like even in life you know going through something really Tra- traumatic or challenging and then being better for it like in you know like going forward always going forward i don't i think that's the the number one thing is not you know letting that take you down i think is the most important thing yeah i think at the time it feels like your world's falling apart but there's always something to learn from it to make yourself better mm-hmm. um just like i was saying the as we approach the slower times and the, you know, falling into that, oh, what if, what if, um, you know, get allowing yourself to get to that point and then realizing that that's a waste of time and getting out of that, I think you can take that experience and uh, flip it and turn it around and be a better agent, be a better broker owner, be a better colleague. You know, there's just so many... Being there is a is a part of life, and um, I almost worry when things are too good because I'm like, oh shit, I've been on a high for so long that there's gonna be a, a a valley now. I mean, a peak, and now I'm gonna go down because that's how life is. It's cyclical. So, mm-hmm. and I tell other people that when they're down, I'm like, you've been down so long, like there's nowhere else to go but up. Like, <laughs> you're gonna have an incline coming soon, so be happy. Yeah, be happy. You're not on the down. You're on the mend. You're going up coming back up yeah it's true if you can see the value in being down for a bit you know that the big up is coming and traditionally the ebbs and flows like they grow like you're you know the the more you get the lower it can go but the you know the then the, the lower you go the higher you can get so yeah it's a, <laughs> a, a you know it's a, it's sort of a great way to look at it yeah coming digging yourself out of it i think it's cool to dig yourself out of a hole you know like um if i can go back to like sort of a marathon or something like that there's you know, you feel amazing the first four kilometers um, and the last two. But the, uh, I did a half, so we'll just say through the math, there 15 kilometers in between was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I was not, that wasn't my skill set when I was a kid. I wasn't a good runner, so that was why I challenged myself with it. I was always good at like skating and physicality and all that, but yeah, I wasn't a good runner. I told Amy, uh, I've been reading up, uh, all I have to do is 22 minutes of sprint cardio a week. So I said, yeah, I'm going to sprint down the, the block. She's like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> it never happened yet. <laughs> like you have a treadmill? running shoes. A treadmill? No, no, I put a bike in my gym, but not oh, yeah. Uh, it's boring. I want. Can you just let me know when you're sprinting down your road? <laughs> sure. <laughs> just, a, just a tape it. I'd make a complete amazing video yeah. after. Uh, for the it's for the it's for the podcast. Yeah. I was uh, thinking of uh, Brad Lee, the guy you like. Um, love, love that dude. Yeah. He said that someone called him and said, how do I uh, make a million dollars? And he said, well, tell me about your situation. He said, well, I have 500000 uh, saved in the bank here. And he's like, okay, well, we'll take the 500000 We'll do this. We'll do that. And he's like, no, no, no. That 500000 is there for just in case. And he said, what? <laughs> he said, that's like building a birdhouse with a butter knife, but you have a shed full of brand new tools just in case. And, uh, and he's so right. Yeah. You know? He's got a lot of those quips, man. Yeah. I really want to meet him, like, so bad. Like, like when we go to Vegas, I, I just, I ha- I'm going to try my best to try and meet this fucking guy. 
I think uh, I think we'll be talking to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See if we put it out there, maybe yeah. it'll work out, right? I think he's so interesting, and a lot of people he he because he's like a I don't know. He's just so interesting. He just like has such a great mindset, a great sales mindset. Like just like comes up with solutions so fast, which is such a that's our that's our skill set, right? It, like you were mentioning, there's people with problems, and then there's people that solve them. Um, you know, that's what a salesperson is in every industry, whether you're selling door to door or you're selling, you know, you know, you know, multi-million dollar homes like yourself. So it's like, it, it, it's, it's a solution and he just so quick. He's just so quick. I love that. So is that, and Ed Milet too, he's not really a salesperson, but he certainly can solve things, I think, fairly quickly. For sure. Yeah. I think it's an impressive thing. Um, what about your sleep? Oh, terrible. I had terrible sleep last night and most nights. Yeah? Yeah. Even if I'm not stressing or, or whatever, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm not a good sleeper. I wish I was. I was uh, doing this thing uh, for a while where I'd stay up late, which wasn't really great, you know, because um, I was writing down goals and doing things for work and doing it at night because I felt like because it was quiet, everybody was in bed. But then I was like, fuck, I'm tired in the morning, you know? I don't mind. Sorry about my all swearing today. I'm swearing a lot today. Um, but the the uh, it's December. I start being really good towards Christmas. Um, the sleep, the going to bed. At, I started going to bed at like nine and reading. Nine. Jeez. I know, right? Nine in bed at nine. Read till about nine thirty, and then lights off. Yeah, reading's good, and it does help because you can like even if you sleep till five, you're still. Rolling, you nice. you get up at five? Uh, no, I I've been get up around six six thirty. Yeah. But uh, I used to do the five and go to the gym and all that when I was trying to build build my business. So I would be the first guy at Pretoria, open the doors, turn on the alarm, leave the lights and the alarm off, make the coffee. I was the first guy there. I really took pride in that for a couple of years. Um, and uh, then I just you know as you kind of progress, you don't need to be. At 5 a.m., I did, like, I loved working out at that time, though. You saw all these, it was me and, like, 10 other guys at the Good Life on uh, at Lansdowne. I don't know. Mornings, I find are better for mindset <laughs> for the day. Great habit. I never really, I always hated darkness in the morning. Yeah. But I don't, uh, because I don't sleep, I sleep the best from about 5 to 7. That's not enough, bro. Well, I'm sure I sleep throughout the night, but I just. Have you cool to, do you have, like, an Apple Watch or something? I do, but I've never got into using it. You should use it for your sleep. Yeah? Yeah, you can see how much you're sleeping. Well, that'd be good, just knowing. Yeah, just maybe try it for a couple of nights. Because I'll say to Amy, I didn't sleep at all last night. And she'll be like, really? I looked over at you and your mouth was wide open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you're catching flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was awake, man. I was awake. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, sleep is important. Yes, for mental toughness, you got to be fresh. Uh, burnout to breakthrough. I like this one. A journey to resilience. Burnout. I, I don't know. I asked a guy once, how do you know you're burnt out? <laughs> and he said, you just stop caring. And I, and I always thought like, I never really took a break, like even from one career to the next or, or whatever. And I thought, how are these people burning out? I remember I had a client, she worked for the government. She said she was burnt out and I was just I don't get it I didn't get it I still don't get it yeah I don't well I mean I I've said I'm burning out before but I was just being dramatic <laughs> I was yeah. fine the next day I think it's all in your head yeah like a lot of things I mean there's uh I think that's you know there's people that have a, a stronger mental capacity and some that don't unfortunately like and that sort of comes through at times when when they when they are overwhelmed maybe they were coddled a bit too don't want to say it but like you know you, you should be great to your kids but you shouldn't like solve the problem for them show them to show them how to maybe at one point but then don't keep doing it for them and even then there was that guy that tells a great story about his little kid when he was like he saw that he had this car and the wheels fell off so he just threw it in the garbage and the kid started crying and Gets the kid. The kid gets out of the garbage, starts banging the wheels around, and fixes it, and shows him. And then, the, then he gives them a ton of like praise and shows them how they can solve a problem, right? right? 
I think that some people just didn't get that that memo. I and listen, there's stressful jobs. I I know that there's a lot of people that do like aviation and stuff. Like that's a stressful gig. So I can imagine you can get burnt out, especially if you work a few doubles or a nurse who works these twelve hours. Sometimes they do double shifts and work a full day. You know, but being like burnt out as a government worker, maybe in the last eight years, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to insult anyone. No, I don't. I'm I not don't, saying I'll that. Just they say like, I don't yeah. understand it, I guess. I mean, there's days I felt burnt out, but yeah, I don't even think like retirement's a thing as far as like, could you really, like, I'd have to do something. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to try it out, see how long I last. Well, but you'd probably find a little something to do, even if you're safe. You know, our dream, like you always talk about, you know, where you went for your holiday there, or when you, no, you went to Miami and then you went and saw another place. You could live there and sell houses, you know, like on the beach or, you know, like you, you could still, Naples. Sell, yeah, yeah, Naples, yeah, yeah, sorry. And you could sell like a couple houses, like a house a month or something, or like yeah, just cruise through life that way that's not a bad way no have a stogie every now and then i just like to have the ability no i could yeah well that's the thing right like uh like look at those guys like charlie munger just died right did I you was gonna mention him yeah yeah, yeah. Read so a good quote of that he uh, he's a legend yeah. he's 99 years old and he was still working like still reading stocks and like even Buffett's like, you know, I'm, he's built this massive wealth, but he lives in the same house and he's got drives like a 2015 Cadillac. And both of them had that, that uh, outlook on life where they didn't live like, you know, wealthy people. So their kids didn't, kids didn't grow up that way and get spoiled. Yeah. They're not going to leave their kids the fortune. They'll all be fine. But uh, even at $2.6 I think Munger was worth when he died he would have been worth way more if he didn't give away as much as he did, especially with the um, um, interest and so on that uh, Buffett made. Um, but both of them, I think, were just, they're, to me, they're examples. If you want to change the world, you better be worth a few billion. Yep. And they changed the world. Yeah. You know, just like we were talking about, we are going to mention the summit. And uh, Chris, uh, what's his name? Cummins. Speaker? Chris Cummins. Cummins, yeah. Great speaker. I thought that was a great choice from John Larry. But something, a real impactful um, thing that he spoke about, there was many, but one was the ripple effect of even a simple comment. You know how he made the sound of the water dropping and it rippling and rippling. And, tush, tush, tush. and I think about that because you I think, why did I say that the other day? It's so stupid. <laughs> and then the ripple effect of maybe a just mm -hmm. an off-the-cuff negative comment. And I really want to be conscious of that. But if you think just a comment could have such a ripple effect, imagine what these guys did with the, with the continuous um, philanthropy and, and uh, uh, foundations and so on that they created throughout their lifetime, if it's 100 years. I mean, that's... That's maximizing your use here on earth, in my opinion. Yep. And the rest to me, in my honest opinion, the rest is all bullshit. Everyone, more excuses. Money's not everything. Oh, yeah? Well, okay. I don't know what world you live in. It's not about making it and, and bathing in it. It's about doing something with it and giving back to society. Yeah, like that's, I think, the one on what Chris Cummins was saying is, like, you you are, like, every, like the ripple effects of, if you and money kind of just shows you who you really are like you can be a shithead and have money and yeah. then you do shitty things uh or you be you're a good person who makes a lot of money and you do great things yeah any uh, another thing i remember just as you're talking is when he's talking about uh proposing to his wife and organizing the seaplane to surprise her on the lake and everything and all the all the mishaps that happen along the way and all his friends like your friends say this they will well, what if they're not on the lake when you get there? And you're what, if just like, well, what if they are? Yeah. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if she says no? Well, what if she says yes? And that's the way you got to look at what we were talking about earlier. Like all this shit will come at you and negativity. And it's even from your closest circle because people are just raised that way. They think they're protecting you. Well, James, well, what if this happens with your big master plan? Well, what if it doesn't? And I think the fact that he kept telling himself what if it does go well what if i can pull this off that's just a, a great way to a format for life and everything that's true 
and and then they end up marrying a, a woman and has a bunch of kids and like lives a great life. Yeah, but how often do we fall asleep and say, "What if all my dreams do come true? And what if everything I'm working for does turn into something spectacular? And what if I actually hit my goals this year? What if my tax bill isn't as much because I finally have a good accountant? <laughs> I met with an accountant today. <laughs> I was like, can you t- can you speak this language for me? Because I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. Well, I think I think that if anything, if you listen to this episode, the just what Chris just said is is so important. Like, just like start saying, what if I hit my goals? You know, and what if I, you know, what if I do get a black belt in kickboxing? What if I, you know, what I mean? Like, if you have whatever your goal is, right? Or goals are. Um, just, just change the change your uh, the way you speak about it. Yeah, don't. Like, I can't like, even remember where this is from, but we say, uh, "Oh, what if I, what if I can't pay my bills over the holidays, or what if January's flat?" The best way to look at uh, life in abundance is just say, "Well, what am I going to do with all this abundance? How am I going to spend all this money? Like, how am I going to deal with all this influx of wealth and opportunity?" Yeah, like if we thought that way. Going to Adam's way of speaking. I don't know if you watch uh, Tony and Gino's podcast, but um, Adam was on it and Joe was on, and they were sort of polar opposites. But it was really it was the most interesting episode I thought because it was the yin and the yang, and Joe was you know on the opposite end of the spectrum as far as pet, uh, positivity and negativity. But uh, it's so interesting how we we think like our kids right now think that everything's possible. And I hope to keep that going as long as I can because the world will shrink their imagination and have them think, oh, that's not possible. Oh, you can't do that. Nah, that's too dangerous, you know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Yeah. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Exactly. Your mind starts racing. My mind already, the hamster started jogging a little <laughs> faster upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a... That's some good stuff, bro. Thank you. I think we'll end it. All right. I'm good with that. I felt you? like we were adrift at sea there, but it was okay. You brought her back. <laughs> okay, good. The captain brought her back. I didn't bring a compass, a map, nothing. Oh, that's okay. We were great. It was. Uh, those are always the best ones because you get kind of going on something. Yeah. Anyways, have a good week. You too. Thank you. Ciao. Ciao.